Amen. So um, I'm going to have a word today, but first I want to tell you a story that I heard. And I might have mentioned this story before, but it's the summer. I couldn't find no new one, so make believe you never heard it. But I heard this story about this lady that, that one day she died all of a sudden. And she went up to heaven and she met Jesus. And she told Jesus, well, I'm not ready to die yet. There's things I still want to do. So I, I, I'd like to go back to earth again. So, so Jesus decided to send her back and said, but I'll give you 15 more years to live. All of a sudden, the woman woke up from the dead, and she said, well, since I have 15 more years to live, I might as well make the most of it. So she went and got a makeover. She got a new wardrobe. She had plastic surgery. She got a new nose, a new face, new hairstyle. Went out the next day, got hit by a truck and got killed, went back up to heaven. And this time she was upset. She went to Jesus and said, I'm confused. You told me I had 15 more years. Jesus says, don't be confused at all. I didn't recognize you. Just a story that I heard. I don't know. But anyway, I'm going to read from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. The last time I spoke a few weeks ago, I said about worship as warfare. And today, I want to speak about another aspect of worship, even though Pastor Ephraim don't let me sing. Hebrews thirteen fifteen, Through him, therefore, let us at all times offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of lips that thankfully acknowledge and confess and glorify his name. See, this scripture shows that one way we worship God is with our words, with our songs. It says, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks and praising God. As in Ephesians chapter 5, it says, don't be drunk on with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit of God, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and making melody and music to the Lord. See, that's one way we worship. We, sta- we stand there just as we did this morning. We sang songs to him. We praised him for who he is, for his greatness, for his goodness. We come to his courts with thanksgiving in our hearts. But the scripture in Hebrews 13, it talked about a sacrifice of praise. See, sometimes when I come and I praise God, it demands a sacrifice. You see, sometimes I have to praise him regardless of how I feel. 
Sometimes all hell is breaking loose in my life, life, and I'm not going to just sit in my seat and ignore him. If I come to the house of the Lord and he hasn't been answering my prayers and things aren't going on the way I expected it to, I lift my hands to heaven and I worship him. See, that's a sacrifice of praise. See, that's true worship. That's the highest praise. When I worship, when I'm not feeling it, when everything in my life is gone, they're headed the wrong direction, it doesn't change the fact that he is worthy. He's worthy to be praised. He is still good. And he is still a faithful God who I know will keep his promises. So I worship him. But see, there's another type of worship that also often involves sacrifice. And this type of worship is more than a song. It tells us in Romans 12.1, So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. In other words, worship is not just what comes out of my mouth. Worship is the way that I live my life. My life becomes worship when I obey God in spite of my own desires. A, f- a few weeks ago, Pastor Mark was preaching, and he spoke, he spoke about times as a parent when maybe you want to go hang out with the guys, but you know that your kids need you, and you stay home. That's not just being a good parent. That's worshiping the one true God. Maybe even this morning you really wanted to head to the beach when you woke up. Or maybe today was your only day to sleep. The only the time when you could really have time to visit family and friends. But you said, no, I'm making a decision. I'm going to go to the house of the Lord. I'm going to worship him. Even if you didn't join in the singing this morning, that was your reasonable act of worship. God saw your sacrifice, getting up, all the places you felt like going. But you choose God today. You worshiped him with your act of walking through that door. I'm going to give some examples from the Bible of true sacrifice of people who worship God, not only with their words, but with their lives. And the first story comes from Genesis chapter 22, and it's a story of Abraham. Now, Abraham waited many years for his, a son named Isaac. And he prayed, and he believed, and he waited until finally the son came. But one day, it tells us in Genesis 22, God decided to test Abraham's faith. So I'm going to read from verse 1. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. 
This is what God told him. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, who you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I will show you. Now, I know we have a lot of kids here, so we just want to let the kids know he wasn't really going to sacrifice his son, so don't worry. It was just a test. God wanted to know if Abraham was willing to obey, even if it cost him everything. Verse 3, the next morning Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. See, Abraham was willing to obey God to sacrifice his son. He took the wood and the knife for the sacrifice, and he saddled up, and he came to Mount Moriah, the place God showed him. But he told his servant, he said, you stay here with the donkey. Because me and my son, we're going to worship God. Why couldn't the servant go with him? Because there's some places that God calls you that the crowd ain't going with you. Sometimes you got to leave the crowd behind and obey God. See, Abraham knew that that's his servant would have tried to talk him out of it. How many times people have tried to talk me out of the things God told me to do? Oh, you're going to give your money to the church? You don't have to do all that. You don't have to go that far, going here and traveling there and spending so much time praying and getting in the Word. That's a waste of time. God wants you to have fun. People will try to talk you out of true worship, true sacrifice. But Abraham made a decision. He said, me and my son, we're going to worship and nobody is going to stop me. You see, there's a place in worship. It's going to cost you something. Again, God won't ask you to sacrifice your son because he already sacrificed his son. But there's a place in God where sometimes maybe you feel like cursing out your co-worker. And because you honor God, you say no. Maybe you felt like running out on your marriage. But I yield myself to God. I say no, God, one more time I'm going back into that home. That's my worship. I'm going to love my enemy. See, people will try to talk you out of it. You're going to love that guy that did that to you. You're going to forgive those abusers. I make a choice. I don't follow the crowd. I don't follow man. I follow God. And when I make that choice, it's even greater worship than if I sang to him a thousand songs. 
He sees your sacrifice. The Lord just told me to let some of you know that he sees what you've given up. He's seen the times when you've gone back into hard things, into difficult things, or when you refuse to join with others to do what's wrong because you love him. He wants you to know that he saw and he's pleased with you. You see, this, this story took place on a mountain called Mount Moriah. Now, I'm going to skip forward now 490 years, and I'm going to go to another story that took place on that same mountain, Mount Moriah. In 2 Samuel 24, it's a story about King David. And we know from the scripture that David was a man after God's heart. He was greatly honored by God, but at the same time, there were occasions where he messed up big time. And this was one of them because God commanded Israel never to count the number of soldiers in their army. You see, that's strange to tell them. Normally, if a king is going to go into battle, they want to know how many soldiers they got with them because if the other, the other army got more, I ain't going. I ain't going to fight them. I don't have enough soldiers. I see a lot today, I notice, a lot of these tough guys out there. They only fight if it's 10 against 1 or 30 against 2. But in the kingdom of God, it's not by might or power, but it's by the spirit of God that we have victory. And God did not want Israel to rely on the size of the army or the strength of the soldier, but to rely on him, the one true God of all power and might, King of kings and Lord of lords. It says in 1 Chronicles 21.1 that the devil tempted David to take a census of the number of fighting men to count them. After God said not to, David sinned before the Lord. He rebelled against God's commandment. Well, God became angry at David's disobedience and he decided to punish Israel. So in 2 Samuel 24, 11, it says, The next morning the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad. That was David's prophet. And he gave this message. Go and say to David, this is what the Lord says. I will give you three choices. Choose one of these punishments and I will inflict it on you. This ain't going to be pretty right here. Verse 13, so Gad came to David and asked him, will you choose three years of famine, which means the food ain't going to grow, you're all going to starve, or three months of fleeing from your enemies and getting destroyed by enemy armies, or three days of severe plague and sickness throughout the land? Think this over and decide what answer I should give the Lord who sent me. Not much to choose from right there. 
That's like if a prophet gave to, came to you and gave you the choice between going broke and homeless, ending up sick in the hospital, or getting a major beatdown. How many of you are thankful you don't live in the Old Testament times when the wages of sin is death? How many of you are thankful the grace and mercy that Jesus brought us at the cross? That we walk in forgiveness? Yes, we, there's consequences to our sin, but there's always grace. There's always mercy from the Lord. I read these stories and I thank God that wasn't me. Verse 14, I'm in a desperate situation, David replied to the prophet. But let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great. Do not let me fall into human hands. So the Lord sent a plague through the death angel into Israel. And in three days, 70,000 people died of plagues and sickness. So David, he was a man after God's heart. He sinned. See, being a man of God doesn't mean you don't mess up. You got a wrong idea that there's these perfect holy people with big beards carrying around a big Bible and they're super holy and they never do anything wrong. There's no such a thing. A man of God or a woman of God is someone, I messed up, but God, I'm sorry, God. I turned from my ways. I turned to you. That's what made David a man after God's heart. He was a sinner. He messed up bigger than most of us have. But every time when he was convicted by the Holy Spirit, he said, God, I turn to you. Forgive me, O God. Oh, that we would have humble people like that today. Verse 18, it says that the prophet came to David and told him to build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arana the Jebusite. The The threshing floor is the place when they would grow the wheat They would beat it on the hard floor, and the good part would separate from the bad part. All the weeds and the junk that you can't eat would fly off. And the prophet told him to go to that place and and to make a sacrifice. It's just a point of information. In the New Testament, we gain forgiveness through the blood of Jesus, In the Old Testament, there had to be a blood sacrifice of an animal. So don't go home and shoot your dog thinking God's going to forgive you. That's the old covenant. That's the old way. There is no more sacrifice of animals. You know anyone who does that? That's bogus. That's false religion. That's witchcraft. The sacrifice of the blood of Jesus was for every sin you ever committed, past, present, and future. 
You see, on the threshing floor that the prophet told David to sacrifice to the Lord was in the very same place, the same mountain where God had told Abraham to sacrifice his son 490 years before. So David went to Rona and he offered to buy the property to build his altar. And Arona, he was a man of God. And he told David, here, take it for free. Here's the, uh, here's the animals for the burnt offering. You can use the wood, the oxen. The, you can build a fire. Here, I give it all to you for free. But in verse 24, David replied, he says, no, I insist on buying it. For I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. And he offered the sacrifice and the plague stopped. But what David was showing, was saying, was that the God who has blessed me, the God who has shown me mercy, time after time, I'm not giving him my leftovers. I've given him my best. I'm going to worship him with all my heart and all my strength and all my might. You see, we can't just give God the leftovers. Well, if I have any money left after I went on the on QVC and I paid all my bills and I went out clubbing, if I got anything left, then I'll put it in the offering. That's a bogus sacrifice, true sacrifice, true worship. I give him the best of my time, the best of my mind, the best of my heart, the best of who I am. God, you're worthy. How many of you believe he's worthy of your best? In the Old Testament, they called that the first fruits. What does it mean, first fruits? It means, God, the best of my money. I'll give you the best of my resources, my time. I'm not just going to get say if I got any time left, Pastor George, to show up. After I went here and there and I took my wife shopping, maybe if I have any time, I'll show up at church. That, 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 that's not what, what David was talking about. He said, I won't offer a sacrifice. I'm not going to worship God if it costs me nothing. I give him my life. I give him my all. But I want to talk about one more sacrifice in the Bible. I said it was 490 years from Abraham to David. Both of those sacrifices took place on Mount Moriah. Now I'm going to go forward another 490 years to that same place, Mount Moriah. Because 490 years later, Mount Moriah became known as Mount Calvary. And Jesus... He stood on that mountain. He offered himself up to God. He gave his life. He laid it all down, everything he had. He gave his best as an act of worship to God. The greatest act. 
He, he, the scripture said he could have called on angels and they would have stopped it. He could have said no, but he sat in the garden of Gethsemane and he was sweating drops of blood and agony over what he was going to face. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, God. Let your will be done. That, that, is, that is the greatest worship. And we'll never have to pay the price that he paid. We'll, we'll never have to take the wrath of, of God for sin upon ourselves. But what did Jesus say before he died in Matthew sixteen twenty four? If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. What, what does that mean to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus? There's some, some uh, of these religious scholars who try to make it mean that denying yourself means you can't have fun, you can't enjoy life, you can't go to the movies or watch TV. There's no nothing good. If you're eating a steak, don't enjoy it. That's not what it means. When Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow him, he said, I yield my will. I yield myself to you, God. If there's anything in my life that stands in your way, if there's an ungodly relationship, God, no matter how much it hurts, I let it go. What a what tremendous act of worship. See, worship isn't just about being here in church. Everywhere that you go, every time you make a decision to lay down your, your own desires, the things that you want, no matter what it costs you, that, that is the highest praise, and we worship him. So I'm going to bring up Pastor George right now, and he's going to continue. Let's have a big hand for Pastor George. Often imitated, but never duplicated. <laughs> a quick picture. Many of my, uh, the, older, the older crowd will, will remember this in the 80s. In the 80s in Manhattan, there was a club called the Limelight. Why are you clapping? You got caught. You got caught. You got caught right there. Everybody got your number now. So obviously some of you remember it. The reason this club was what made it so unique is that the building was once the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. It was a temple. It was a church. And what had happened was the parish had merged a few churches, and so they deconsecrated this building and sold it. That must be something, you know, the, the, the parish that, that they do. They deconsecrate the building and they sold it. And so it, it eventually it became the limelight. They never changed the temple structure, so it still looked like a church. From the outside and even the inside, it had the ceilings. It had the stained glass windows with Jesus on them. 
Some of you are shaking yes because you saw it. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. They kept the altars where they used to light candles because they wanted to keep the look and feel of a church but make it a club. And because of that, it was so unique because people loved to turn it up in a place that maybe they shouldn't or they thought they shouldn't turn up in. Oh, man, that's a whole other message. We'll, we'll get to that. And so even though it, had, it, it, it was, had the feel of a temple, it was now a nightclub. Eventually, it got shut down because of so many scandals with drugs. And even one of the major party promoters who was the main drug dealer there was convicted of killing someone and hacking them up. And so the police came in and shut the club down. It tried opening under a different name, but it got shut down. The, bu the building was eventually sold again. I passed by it a few weeks ago because I, I work in that area. And I noticed the building again because it's a temple. It's a beautiful architecture of a church. Now it's Limelight Fitness. It's a gym. This is a picture from their website. She's working out with Jesus in the back. And she's on... So it still looks like a church. It still has the stained glass depictions of Christ. But now it's dimly lit and the club music still pumping. But people are working out there. If, if we haven't already made the connection, let me make the connection for you. If we're honest, too often, that's the kind of temple we are. We were created for one thing, but we're being used for it's something different. Thank you. Throughout the scriptures, the purpose of the temple was clear. It was always for worship. The purpose of the temple was always for worship. It was never for anything else. Everything that took place at the temple was about worship. The sacrifices were to worship God, who in turn would cleanse of our, of our sin. The praises to worship God. The incense to worship God, to carry up our prayers to heaven. The teaching to grow in God. The temple was the place to meet with God, to talk to God, to hear with God. Fast forward. 1 Corinthians 3.16, Paul tells us, Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple? And that, the God's, that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. Start Start thinking about the ramifications of that. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know that... Your bodies are the temple. Your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Romans 12.1, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. Listen to what it says. This is your true and proper worship. What is true and proper worship? It's, is, it, is it going to the temple and kneeling down and making the sign of the cross with your hands? Is it going into a temple and lighting candles and kissing the feet of a statue of Jesus or Mary or, or whatever else? 
Is it going to a temple and singing songs? No, it's more than a song. You guys still with me? I'm not angry. I'm excited. I always got to tell people that. I don't know why. Paul says true and proper worship is about how we use our bodies. Oh, man. It's about offering a sacrifice that's pleasing to God. How do we please God? By doing what he tells us to do. What does he tell us to do? Those are great questions, church. Thanks for asking. Love God and love people. That's what God asked. He said the greatest commandment and the second is like the great is like the first. Love God and love people. So what is true and and proper worship? Loving God and loving people. So what is true worship? Loving God and loving people. So when I come into a building which is no longer a temple because now I now understand that we're together are the temple. When I come in to sing songs and praise God like we did that morning, is that true and proper worship? Absolutely. But it's more than a song. What you did this morning was beautiful. When the, when the musicians stopped and everybody stopped and the house was worshiping, that was beautiful. That was true and beautiful worship. But it's more than a song. It has to leave this building. <clears throat> worship doesn't end with the last chord on the piano. That's what me and Pastor Gary were talking about. That's what we're, we're, we're trying to, to, to share. That when, when, when I give support to the church, is that worship? Yeah. When I listen to the message, no matter who's speaking, and listen for God to speak to me, is that worship? Even if it's not some famous preacher on the internet? When I focus on his word, is that worship? When I volunteer, whether it's greeting people at the door or cleaning the bathrooms for events, does God see that as worship? Absolutely. By his own definition, everything I do is worship. Because this is the temple and the temple was only created for worship. So if I do everything in light of what God has called me to do, everything I do is worship. When I volunteer, when I, when I, when I serve, when I clean, everything. Let's take it out of the building for a moment. When I love my spouse, that's worship. When I play with my kids, what? What's spiritual about that? What's holy about that? What's churchy or Christian about that? When I play with my kids, that's worship. Here's, a, even, here's one that I love. When I laugh with my friends, that's worship. Did you ever see it that way? Or do you feel guilty? I mean, it kind of depends on what you're doing, I guess, but <laughs> let's not go buck wild and, and just give license. But when you have fellowship, and that doesn't mean like we all oh, we met in church for prayer breakfast. No, I'm saying like I went to your house and we had steak and we and we and we laughed. We didn't even talk about a scripture, but we laughed, we had fun, we had a great time. Is that worship? Could it be that that's worship? 
Could it be that people that know us but are not part of, not Christians, don't want to be Christians because we're no fun? <laughs> we're no fun to be around? We think everything, oh, the steak, well, yeah, it's well done because, you know, uh, sin says, the Bible says, no, shut up. Enjoy the steak. Say that the steak is good and that whoever cooked it did a good job. You don't always have to say, to thank, uh, you, you should thank God for the food, but you don't always have to say, thank you, God, for making the cow that this one killed, that that one did. That You don't, you don't have to, you know what I'm saying? You could just enjoy fellowship. And that's worship. Could what I do for a living be worship? Listen, I was in full-time ministry for probably six, seven years. I don't remember the, the, the whole thing. But, but, and then I went back to work, and now I've been at work seven, eight, nine years, whatever it is. I wonder in what period I worship more. Many people would probably be quick to answer, well, obviously, when you were in full-time ministry, that's the Lord's work. You were worshiping more. Could it be that I worship more at my secular job by shining, by living, by talking to people, by connecting, by building relationships, by, by just letting God shine through me? Could it be that I'm worshiping more there than sitting in my office for hours by myself? Some of us, you have to get that mentality and understand, like, what I do for a living, I, that's, that could be my worship unto God. I was created to do this. Some, some jobs for some careers, right? For some, right? We have a lot of nurses in here. Isn't that a beautiful thing? I help people. I'm there to, to I mean, that's a beautiful thing. That's worship. Worship costs us something, like, like Gary was saying, Paul, Paul said, be living sacrifices. We, we keep hearing about people that would die for their God, that would, you know, and, and, and die and be a martyr for their God. And we think, wow, that's serious. That's commitment. Listen, living for God is bigger and better sacrifice. No? This July, that, this, this month, we, we just made 14 years as a church. We're in our 15th year now. Planting this church for many of us was our act of worship. And I'd like to thank all of those, whether they're still here or, or not, who paid the price, who gave of themselves, who sacrificed their money, their family, their rest, their finances, so that those who are here now could learn how to worship God. Some of my favorite pictures... <laughs> that I have throughout the history of this church are, are not in a worship service with everybody worshiping, are not at, at a place where uh, people are on the floor crying. Some of my favorite pictures are, are when, I don't know, if, if you haven't been here for a while, we used to have a, a wall here and a wall here, and we had a conference room, office, office, and we had children's room, children's room, two classrooms, all, all inside here. And, and we built that. When we, when we planted the church, and there was so much sheetrock, and so it was such a mess. We didn't have money to pay anybody, so we taught everybody how to spackle. Me and a couple of, and I didn't even know how to spackle. So, so I'm teaching people. So what I'm saying is we had some, so I have these pictures of like six people on this blue wall that, that we used to be here. Six people spackling, and I mean, horrible job. Horrible. More spackle on the floor than on the wall. And lumpy. 
And so for a lot of years, when all those walls were up, we had a lot of bumpy walls, but they were beautiful. Amen? They were beautiful, not because they were done by a professional contractor or a, or a professional skillsman. They were, it's beautiful because the community did it. We learned. We had young people and old people spackling. And I said, no, just take it, put it on there, and smooth it out as best you can. As best you can. And then we had to sand, if you know anything about that process, we had to sand for about four years. <laughs> to make it a little bit reasonably smooth. But beautiful, beautiful. That was an act of worship. It cost something. We've torn down most of those walls. But, 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 but thanks to, to those of you that are here today who participate, who support this church with your worship, uh, I want to encourage more of you to worship in your working, to worship in your doing. Amen? Let me tell you a behind-the-scenes secret that not many pastors like to share or people in ministry. Many of those that you see here working in the church don't always feel like doing what they're doing. Shut up. Do you think the worship team, the, everybody that gets up here and smiles and comes up in the morning, welcome, and sings, do you think they always feel like singing, like smiling before you? Do you think sometimes they're not broken? Do you think sometimes they're not hurting? Do you think sometimes they, they just had disagreements at home with their spouse or with their kids? They, they just got disappointed because their kids made some bad choices or, or something happened? Do you think, but they have to come up here and get behind an iPad and, and try to worship, to lead us into worship. That's a sacrifice sometimes, amen? So thank you, worship team. I don't know what you think about the preachers here, but we're not downloading sermons online and just winging it. We don't always feel like studying and, work and working and staying up. We all work full-time jobs and other jobs, and so most of this is done at night. After we've tucked in the kids, after we've put everybody to bed, we got to stay up and study so that we can present the Word to you, so that we can diligently study and present truth to you. Do we always feel like it? But we do it because it's our act of worship. Amen? How about our children's workers? Do you think they come in every Sunday and want to work with your kids? You don't even want to work with your kids sometimes. Say amen. Thank you, children's workers. Thank you, children's ministry. Wow. Wow. Sometimes worship comes easy. Sometimes you can get up in the morning because somebody hooked up your AC and somebody gave you, and, and that's wonderful. Sometimes you're hot for two years because you can't afford to put the AC in. And you just bought a house and, you can, and you're struggling to make, but you're still worshiping and you're still leading and you still praise. Sometimes worship is easy. Sometimes worship comes with sacrifice. Comes, it's always, always more than a song. 
It's who we are. It's who we were created for worship. We're living temples of God. Don't let the world turn you into what they want to see. We're the church. Don't let the world turn you into gyms and nightclubs and everything you weren't called to be. Be who God called you to be. Everywhere you are, worship and praise God. Amen? That's your act of worship. Come on. Hallelujah. Amen. I I have the best segue ever. Watch this. Abraham was sacrificing his son on Mount Moriah. David was sacri- made his sacrifice on Mount Moriah. Jesus made his ultimate sacrifice on Mount Moriah. And now we're going to have Moriah come up and sing. But before she does, I, I want to find out if we have any radical Holy Ghost worshipers here today. And you're saying, God, I'm willing to give you my all. I yield myself to you. I'm going to ask you to stand up right now. I, I believe there's a few of you here. And, and you're making a, com- see, you're standing up. You're making a commitment. Don't do it unless you're serious about it. Because God holds you accountable. If you're seriously saying, God, I offer you my life. I give you my sacrifice of praise when I don't feel like it. When it costs me something. When it's hard. I'm going to put you first. And we're going to begin to worship God right now. If you don't feel like worshiping, this might be the darkest day of your life. Maybe you woke up today and you wished that you weren't even born. I'm going to challenge you right now to give him a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of your lips giving thanks. If the stars are made 
Amen. The worship team's coming up, and we're going to worship him one more time. We're going to release to him today a, a sacrifice of praise. Why? Because he deserves it, just because of who he is. Father, we love you today, God. Father, it's not all going our way. We're walking through the fire, through the trial, through the difficulty, but we're making a choice as a sanctuary fellowship that you could look down and you're going to find true radical worshipers who are unashamed to love you. So one last time before we go, this is going to be your act of praise, your sacrifice. Let's just shout. Let's get crazy and worship him. children kind of move out 
on their own. Because you can't make your children love God. She's not my daughter. And I'm like a proud dad. Right? And I feel the same about my son. And even my daughter, that minister, every now and then. you to sing this bridge again for us and lead us into worship. your love is reckless because your love without fear knowing that we won't always get it right that we'll make mistakes after we just promise we were going to get it right and we'll turn around and even sometimes walk away from you but you still radically love us and that love brings us back to you there's a world out here, Father, that needs to know your love, but they don't know your love because maybe we haven't got there yet to be able to show that. And I pray, Lord, we ask your forgiveness, Lord. Bring us to a place, Father, where we can accept your love and be able to show that same kind of love for God. Will we risk it, oh God? So, Father, I pray over those that are here today, oh God. Lord, that you have turned some things around in their lives. So, God, what was wrong, Father, you made it right. Father, maybe you've, maybe, maybe you've, people have seen you for the first time, oh God, and, and they've never seen this type of God, oh God, because all they knew was just this God that was there to beat them down and, and to shame them and to just count their faults and their failures, Father, but you are not that. And I pray that they saw that today, Lord, that you 
are not that kind of God. You are a holy God, Lord, and we respect that. A sovereign God in all your ways, Lord, and we honor you for that. You are so, you are also a loving God. And you draw us to yourself, oh God. So, Father, thank you once again for those that serve in this house, oh God. Whether it's here or at 2 o'clock, oh God, in this house. But even more so, I thank you for those that serve you in this house, in this temple. We are the temple, oh God. So church, we are the church. You are a temple, man. What is your willingness act of, of praise today? Leave this place and just continue to worship. You are blessed to be a blessing. Have a wonderful week. Just got one.